Hello, this is Radio Station Consultant, the podcast, and I'm your host, Andy Meadows. A few weeks ago, I wrote a blog about building a home studio, something that's front of mind for a lot of people right now with everyone working from home, which of course has its upsides and downsides. You can record your whole shift without wearing any pants, aka Winnie the Pooh style. When I up, down, touch the ground, it puts me in the mood. Something I've been advocating for years. But you'll have to restart every time your cat walks across the mixer or keyboard or your dog barks at the ghost that's haunting your house. We got a lot of feedback on the home studio blog, so I thought I would expand on it and catch up with a few friends who also have home studios to get them to talk about their setups. Because after all, there are literally thousands of ways to do this, and building out the right home studio for you depends on all sorts of factors. Budget, what you need to do with it today, and what you plan to do with it in the future. I do want to reiterate, though, that if you're trying to match up your audio with the radio station you work at, Studio Audio, then your best option would be to use the exact same mic processors and microphones that are used in the station's studios, although obviously that can kind of get pricey unless you work for cheapskates. Here is my current home studio setup that I'm talking through right now. I'm using a pretty standard microphone for broadcast that all of you have probably used at some point, an Electrovoice RE20 with a pop filter. They're a workhorse and personally I love the way they sound. They do run you about 450 bucks, but you can get them for less used. An Electrovoice RE320 is a cheaper alternative and so is the Shure SM7B, either of which you'll be happy with. My mic processor is a Symmetrix 528E, which sadly they don't make anymore, but personally, I've been happy with every Symmetrix mic processor I've ever used. A cheaper alternative is a DBX-286S. They're $200 new. I'm also considering stepping up to a Wheatstone M1 soon. By the way, a workaround for podcast studios that need several mics but can't afford to buy a processor for each mic is to run multiple mics into a mixer and then run the output from the mixer into the processor. Of course, going that route means each mic would be processed the exact same, minus whatever tweaks can be made through the mixer EQ. But that's not a big deal if they're all the same mics, and it saves a lot of money. Currently, I'm using a Behringer Xenix X222 mixer that connects to my laptop via USB, essentially acting as a replacement for the $1,500 sound card most radio automation and production computers have in them. I also have and sometimes use an Alesis Multimix 8 USB. They are both plug-and-play for any computer with a USB input. The Alesis has plenty of inputs, four XLR inputs for mics, and EQ capabilities for broadcasting, and it's half the price, 150 bucks. They also make a Multimix 4 USB now that's $50 less with two XLR inputs. This Behringer is really overkill for most home broadcasting and recording. It's my music mixer, so I've gotten in the habit of leaving it hooked up and using it for voiceovers as well. For someone that's looking for something that's closer to a typical broadcasting console, the Rodecaster Pro Podcast Console might be a good fit, but it is a little pricey. It does, however, have built-in Aphex mic processing, a mix minus for interviews, and something that looks and acts a lot like hotkeys for beds, jingles, and drops. I haven't used one yet, so I can't speak to their quality, but the reviews I've seen online were positive, and in my experience, you can always trust things you see online. A lot of people skip the mixer and mic processor altogether by getting a USB mic, but personally, I haven't been able to produce broadcast quality audio doing that as of yet. Soundproofing and room treatment. The reason most of the studios we've all broadcasted in have sounded so good is because they're technically rooms within a room. They're built using sound isolation clips so no metal or wood is directly touching another wall and transferring sound between rooms. Staggering studs, using acoustical isolation, and if possible, quiet rock instead of regular sheetrock. 
which is five times more expensive, but it's equivalent to like eight layers of sheetrock. The best way to recreate this scenario at home is to use an interior room with little to no windows, a towel or a blanket to better seal the door, and a couple of acoustical sound blankets to create a small studio. The sound blankets I use are 80 inches by 80 inches and 50 bucks each if you get the ones with grommets that are easy to hang. They have a better NRC noise reduction coefficient than most soundproofing you see in professional studios and they look okay. If you're building a studio in a snooty office where aesthetics are important, I'd recommend acoustical wall carpet or sound panels. At home, closets work great because they already don't have windows and they're easier to soundproof because of their size. Plus, you can recreate the South Park R. Kelly Tom Cruise episode anytime you want. Well, I was just standing here and Tom Cruise locked himself in the closet. If you can afford it, there are some great modular studios out there. Whisper Room and Studio Bricks are two companies that do incredible work. However, their studios start at four grand and they go up from there. All I would need to turn this into a live studio is a codec that uses audio over IP, like a Comrex BrickLink, Comrex Access, or Tyline. A much cheaper alternative is a Barracks InStreamer, but that will cut down on the audio quality. I also have Tenoy Reveal 5 powered speakers for when I work on imaging and I want to annoy my wife, plus an equipment rack to house everything and make it easier to transport. I definitely suggest getting an equipment rack for the mic processor. They tend to last a lot longer in a rack, and if you don't loan them to your friend Larry. This is my setup for radio station voice work, voice tracking, podcasting, and most of the voice work I do. Full disclosure, though, if I'm trying to land a big-time national voiceover gig and I want to sound all fancy pants, I go to a local recording studio where I record my records and do that voice work through a Neumann U47. Here's a clip of that. Characteristics of a Dallas blonde. Travels in groups of six or 12. Beautifully balanced. Keanu Reeves delivers in John Wick Chapter 3 Parabellum. Plus, enjoy 50% off when you stay three or more days this Father's Day. I'd love to have one of those mics in my home studio, but they're 10 grand. They're tube mics, and even the tubes are like three grand. When we come back, Howard Kruger, creator of Bob and Hank FM, will tell us about his studio setup. Studies show that people spend five times longer looking at video content than static content on Facebook and Instagram. Videos also have the highest click-through rate of any digital ad format. And 100 million hours of video are watched every day on Facebook. If you want to compete for those sought-after digital ad dollars, you've got to have local, fresh, regularly updated video content on your station's website and social media sites. At Radio Station consultant.com we can help whether that's supplementing the content you already have or providing all of your video content call 1-800-849-1457 or go to radiostationconsultant.com to find out more i reached out to my pal howard kruger with kruger media howard is a brilliant programming consultant and the creator of bob fm and hank fm i've always liked how he sounds on imaging so i wanted to know what his setup looks like Hey, Andy, it's Howard Kruger here, president of Kruger Media. Thank you for uh, inviting me onto your podcast to talk a bit about my um, studio setup for voiceover. I am the president of Kruger Media, and what we do is we are the people that created uh, the Bob format and the Hank format and the Duke format, as well as a few others. And these formats are syndicated through Sun Broadcast Systems. And for a number of these formats, I am the voice for it. So I guess I do double duty. I am... um, 
programmer and voice guy for some of my formats. So, yeah, let's talk about the uh, the actual setup that I do have. I have two setups. I have one in studio and one on the road, which I've tried to duplicate as much as possible, although that's a little difficult because my in-studio setup is uh, a pretty sophisticated one from the standpoint of the studio also operates as a recording studio because um, the guys I work with are uh, big-time musicians as well. So when we're not doing voiceover, we like to uh, we like to lay down some tracks. So uh, some people might say it's overkill, but it works for, for me very well. So the actual DAW that I'm working on right now is uh, Logic Pro X. I love the Logic Pro uh, X software um, just because for me anyway, it just, I don't know, it makes sense. Thus the name Logic, I guess. My uh, computer, I uh, am running a bit of a souped-up late 2013 uh, Mac Pro trash can. Um, My audio interface, that's one of the most important parts of this studio, and I use the uh, Apogee Ensemble um, Thunderbolt interface, which uh, wasn't cheap, but it was worth every penny I paid for it. It's very versatile, and uh, I absolutely love what I'm able to do with it. My microphones, I have uh, a few different microphones, but I'll just kind of focus on my two go-to microphones. Of course, I have the Neumann U87, which I've had since I started in this business, and about 10 years ago, I bought myself a uh, Bluebird microphone from the uh, Blue Mic Group, and I actually love it. In fact, this is the one that I'm, I'm speaking to you now through. I found it at a sale bin at a music store, and I think they were asking like 499 bucks for it back then. I think you can actually buy them right now for maybe 200 250 bucks on eBay. I'm not quite sure, but um, it's, uh, it's a large diaphragm condenser microphone, and it works really, really well. And highly recommend it if you ever come across one of these uh, on eBay, because I don't believe Blue makes it anymore. But if you can pick it up for 250 bucks or 200 bucks, that's a real good deal. On the road, I've tried to duplicate my studio setup as close as I possibly can, but obviously that ain't going to happen. So I do use a Mac Pro laptop, which uh, basically has my uh, Logic Pro software cloned on it. I use the same Wave plugins. I actually should mention my um, when we do our production work, a lot of it, most of it, I would say, would be uh, in the box. The only uh, mixing that we'll do here is I have a, a Mackie automated uh, surface controller that. I'll use but for the most part everything is done in the box and the setting or the sound chain that I'll use uh, both in the studio and on the road is uh, I'll use uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of wave plugins and uh, I use the uh, REQ6 on my voice chained up with uh, the waves vitamin plugin and I also use the L3 plus ultra maximizer as part of my sound chain and they're all wave plugins and yeah they work fine. I like them. They're versatile, and Waves has pretty much every plugin I need for for what we do. Microphones on the road. This was a bit of a uh, an interesting uh, journey because I tried out a number of them, but the one that I settled on for a couple of reasons. Number one was that uh, I already have so many microphones that I figured that uh, do I want to spend another twelve, thirteen, fourteen hundred bucks on something that I know is probably going to give me the same bang for the buck only much cheaper. Um, I guess you could say I'm a bit of a budget shopper, but I wanted to get the sound that I could get from a uh, Sennheiser, um, the MK416. And what I did find through
through a recommendation of a friend of mine, Sean Caldwell, who uh, is the Bob voice, is he suggested I look into the uh, Cinco D2 hypercardioid hyper condenser shotgun microphone, which I did, and I bought it, and I use it exclusively on the road. It's a great mic for hotel rooms and places where you need to kill the noise. It's got an ultra-low noise floor. I think it's at about uh, 11, 12 dB, and basically it has a very good ability to be able to block out the sound, and um, you talk in front of it, and you kill a lot of the uh, side bleed that you're going to get. So uh, huge recommendation for uh, on-the-road microphone. I would definitely recommend the uh, the Cinco D2 microphone. And the big <laughs> the big thing that I liked about it was the price uh, because I did the AB between the uh, MK416 and this one, the Cinco. And honestly, for the $800, $900 price difference, meaning the uh, Cinco D2 is cheaper by about 800 bucks between that and the uh, MK416, I didn't hear an $800 difference. So um, I went with the Cinco. So, and the other thing that helps too is the sound chain that I use. The plugins that I use, they make up for any difference between the two microphones. So there you go. That's my uh, microphone of choice when I'm on the road. And my audio interface that I use is I use the Steinberg UR12. Um, I find that to be a, a pretty decent um, audio interface to use. Now, as far as treatment goes in the uh, studio, uh, my home studio, I use a lot of uh, Oralex padding and sound diffusing around the room. I've got the bass traps in the corner. Again, maybe a bit of overkill for voiceover, but it's perfect for recording. It's interesting because I just blew out an extra wall in our studio here, so that's kind of changed the dynamics of the sound of the room a bit. But uh, again, there are a ton of treatments and a ton of different solutions you can get for uh, dampening the sound in your studio. Believe it or not, when I'm on the road, I still old school it. Sean Caldwell showed me some great tricks with an ironing board and a duvet. <laughs> and a luggage carrier or luggage rack and a duvet. Uh, you kind of have to be creative, but when you combine that with a great uh, on-the-road condenser shotgun like the uh, Cinco D2, then your needs are pretty much uh, looked after. And to be honest with you, I've never heard any complaints, even when I've asked for them. So um, that's one thing I, I would recommend if you are specifically on the road, if you are you know, trying to experiment with different microphones that might work for you, it's always a good idea to uh, ask the client what they think. Um, sometimes they know the difference, sometimes they don't, but of course at the end of the day it's all about keeping them happy, right? <laughs> So there you go. That should give you a brief glimpse into uh, into what we use for um, to get the uh, the voiceover uh, set up and sound that uh, that we need. And I would send you to our website. Uh, by the time you actually hear this, hopefully uh, our new website will be up. But you can uh, check us out at KrugerMedia.com. That's K-R-O-E-G-E-R Media.com. Thanks a lot. Take care. If you need links to any of the equipment Howard just mentioned or anything mentioned at all today, just email me at andy at radiostationconsultant.com. When we return, we'll hear from a national voice talent to talk about his studio. Hey, it's Andy Meadows, radio consultant and host of this podcast. If you want to grow your ratings and revenue by 20% or more and your digital stats by 50% or more over the next 12 months, then contact me today at 1-800-849-1457. 
I'll do a free assessment of your entire operation, followed by a strategic plan to help you grow your ratings, digital stats, and revenue. Then if you're interested, you can bring me on as a consultant to help you execute that plan. I offer affordable, hands-on consulting for a select number of radio groups and stations. Let me help you find a custom solution for your unique situation. Find out more at radiostationconsultant.com. BJ Schraff voices a station for one of my clients, and he also does a ton of national voice work, including Match.com, Ford, NASCAR, Big Bang Theory, and a whole lot more. Hi there, everybody. This is BJ Schraff, and I'm sitting here with my producer. Her name is Heather Setzler. Hello. And uh, I've been asked to tell you about my signal chain and what I do. I've been doing voiceover work for about 15 years, 10 of which was in L.A., and then I moved over to Wilmington to be on the beach in North Carolina. My setup was asked about. I am recording on a Sennheiser MKH-416 shotgun mic, which is an industry standard, one of the best uh, in the industry. And I went through several mics and finally settled upon this one because I just found it was the one that was booking me the most work when I was working in studios in Los Angeles. So I brought it over to Wilmington. As far as the rest of my signal chain goes, I send that signal from the shotgun into my Universal Audio LA610 MK2 as far as a preamp, and then it goes into my system via a USB Pre-2 from sound devices. Uh, My room. We are currently sitting in my studio. My studio is a converted walk-in closet. Uh, It's about 7 feet by 12 feet, so it's a good size for that. I have actually used a product called Green Glue, which creates a one-eighth inch space between each sheet of drywall, which soundproofs the room from the outside. And then I've covered the inside with your standard audio foam to reduce any kind of echo or noise. So I think when you think of creating your own home studio, you have to keep the outside sound out and keep the inside sound in without it echoing. And that's how I've done that. If you look up green glue, it's all over the internet for treating voiceover rooms. So I'm in a room right now that actually has three sheets of drywall all the way around with a one eighth inch space in between each sheet. So short of nuclear war happening outside, you can't hear a thing in here. So that works really well for me. You can see all of my work and all the editing and producing that Heather has done at our website, which Heather has created, which is bjsvoiceover.com. That's B as in boy, J as in John, S as in Sam, voiceover.com. Lots of good stuff to see there, and it was all created right here in Wilmington at our studio. So thanks a lot for listening, and hopefully this helps you get started in voiceover. It's a lot of fun. Home studios can get pricey real quick. But especially if we're willing to buy used, the basic home studio can be built for around or under $800. Plus, of course, the cost of the audio editor. My suggestion would be to buy equipment that's sufficient for what you need to do today, but scalable enough to handle what you may need to do down the road. If you need some thoughts on what that might be, hit me up. I've been told I'm somewhat psychic. If you've got a home studio, I'd love to hear about it. Email me a clip or any of your feedback at andy at radiostationconsultant.com. Thanks for listening. Check out my weekly blogs, find links to my ebook, and info on all of my radio services at radiostationconsultant.com. Also, since I've been locked inside for weeks on end, look for a new ebook from me soon about podcasting for broadcasters.